my series that I'm calling Priority. And uh, this morning, uh, was a little uh, excitement in Etna Green. We were just talking, I was talking with the worship team, and different people were pulling double duty this morning, and I just said, I, sounds like everybody's pl pulling double duty. And so Mason and Lindsay, they were doing kids' church, and she's up on the worship team and all this stuff. And a few moments later, I heard a crash behind me. I was up in the, uh, in the sound booth, and it was uh, Pastor Kenneth across the street, was crossing the road, and there was a fender bender, and uh, I heard it. I didn't see it, and Oliver said, Dad, I think Kenneth was in an accident, and I said, oh, boy, so I hurried out there, and um, Kenneth was fine, and the other driver was fine. Uh, I was like, how can I help you, Kenneth? And so he said, well, we're about ready to start. Maybe you could uh, go in there and pray, and I was like, well, I can do that. I'm, I know what I'm doing there, I think. So I prayed for the Methodist Church, and then uh, got things kick-started, and, and then... Uh, I was like, I don't think Kenneth is going to be able to, you know, you can't leave the scene of an accident. Like, maybe you get away with it if you're a preacher. I don't know. Maybe I'll try that. But uh, it usually works to get out of a speeding ticket. I don't know about leaving the scene of an accident. Uh, probably shouldn't do that. But uh, uh, so I was like, uh, I went back out there. I was like, you need me to preach too, don't you? And he's like, yeah, I'd, I'd appreciate that. So uh, so you guys, uh, you guys get the practiced version of today's message. Uh, I just gave them, gave them what I was going to share with you today. And so uh, Kenneth and they're all doing well, and it was good to be with them. And so I got to pull double duty uh, today as well, and along with you all who serve in so many different ways. And so I appreciate all of you. Now, let's start with prayer. God, thank you for today. Thank you for the privilege it is uh, to, to gather in your name to honor you, glorify you. I pray, God, for uh, the Methodist Church, and I'm grateful for time with them today, and we pray for, uh, for them as a church and as a church family. We pray for your blessings on them, that you would continue to guide and care for them. Lord, be with us as a church and help us to grow uh, together, grow in our love for one another, and grow in our love with you. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for your patience, your forgiveness, your mercy for us. And today... May we honor you and glorify you in all that we do. We love you and praise you. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. It's been, uh, it's been hard since my early 30s. I'm, I'm 38 today. Um, and I know for some of you, you say that's young. For others, I, I think when I was Connor's age, when I heard somebody say they were 38, I thought, man, that's old. Uh, it's changed. How, you know, your perception changes. But... Uh, you know, when I was young, you could run around and play. You could play all day, and you would wake up the next day totally fine. Uh, now that I'm 38, this is what I've found, and maybe this resonates with some of you, is that if I have the wrong pillow, I can barely walk the next day. <laughs> you know, it's like if you don't have the right pillow, I mean, you're done for. Just, you know, just call it a day, phone it in, right? Uh, well, I, I had this thing happen yesterday, and Wendy assures me that I'm wrong, um, but I, I don't know. I don't know. Megan says Wendy's wrong and I'm right. So there's a little debate. So we were enjoying, we're taking in the Bourbon Summer Fest festivities. We're at the parade and, and someone from Real Services was walking through, uh, the parade. And, uh, 
and they were handing out flyers and information for real services, something that cares for the elderly in our community. And they looked at little Addison Yarbrough and handed her a piece of paper. And as she was handing Addison the piece of paper, she looked directly at me. And she said, give this to your grandpa. <laughs> Guys, I was devastated. <laughs> I thought, do I need to start coloring my beard? Uh, what is going on? I was wearing a hat, so the little shade of gray that's coming, it was covered, guys. I'm thinking the old wrinkles in my face. I was completely devastated. Wendy tried reassuring my ego, saying, no, no, she was just saying that in general. It's for grandparents. She handed to a kid. That may very well be true, but either way, my ego took a great hit the other day. Yeah, it was awful. Uh, I cried the rest of the afternoon, but uh, I took a nap, though, in full embracing of it. I was like, you know, how do I act old today? I'm just going to take a nap. So uh, no offense to that. I love naps, and you should too. But, uh, and that's, in fact, the point of today's message is loving our naps. But uh, uh, when I was thinking and processing, uh, how do I introduce this message? There was something I was thinking along those lines, and maybe this happens to you too. Uh, that when you walk into a room, you forget why you went in there. Um, well, it happens to McKenna, so that makes me feel that makes me feel better. I think why it happens to McKenna and why it happens to you and me might be other reasons. That was perfect, McKenna, and I love you. That was awesome. But we forget why we come into a room, and maybe it's our forgetfulness, or maybe it's this. And and this is what I'd like to talk to us today about: is our distractions. Our distractions. We have so many things going on in our lives that it's hard for us to focus on what it is that we're called to and what's before us. As I shared last week and, and shared before, is just this series on priority is not turning our lives into a long list of priorities, but remembering what our why is. Not dropping our why, and our why is Christ Jesus. Our why is setting our hearts and fixing our hearts on Jesus Christ. We learned last week and we are encouraged that a life that seeks God and seeks his face and seeks his presence, a one that desires God is one that can withstand anything, that we can face the world when we face God and face the many challenges that come to us, that nothing would separate us from the love of God and Christ. I found in my life that I can get into a hurried, frantic frenzy uh, maybe you feel that way too. We had school start this week and so we started plugging in dates and plugging in things and Wendy, she uh, is going to be a uh, the sixth grade volleyball coach this year for Ellie and for her classmates and we are so excited about that but then we start plugging in all the games and all the practices and and it's like, okay, and that starts filling up. And then you think, well, we still have those two other kids. You know, we've tried getting rid of a couple of them, but it's not working <laughs> out. And, you know, and just the schedule just sort of keeps filling in. Well, Oliver's going here, and Audrey has this. And, and it just can get all too overwhelming. And it's no wonder that when I walk into a room, I forget sometimes why I'm there. And there's so many things on my mind. And here's my ultimate concern. My ultimate concern is that in my hurried, busy, frantic life, that I don't take time to be with the Lord. That in all of the sort of hurriedness of my life, I forget the most important thing is to be with God. Does that resonate with you? 
that we can get our lives so frantic and so overwhelmed. I look at my calendar and I think, my goodness, how are we going to get through this? And how are we going to get every person to where they need to be and handle all of the things that life throws at us? And it can become incredibly overwhelming. Uh, there is a great book uh, by John Mark Comer, C-O-M-E-R, and the book's title is The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, and it's a great book, and, and uh, he got that title of his book comes from a quote of Dallas Willard. Dallas Willard said that discipleship is the ruthless elimination of hurry in your life. And so Dallas, for him, to become more like Christ was to become less and less in a hurry. And so when we, th we think about that, slowing down, resting, being still, taking time to not be a hurried, frantic mess, I, I think about the hurry in my life. Um, who has ever said something regrettable when they were in a hurry? You know that moment when you look at the clock and you look at what time you're supposed to be somewhere and then you look at the condition of your family and you think, there's no way on earth we're going to get there at the right time. It's never happened in the Akis household. No, I'm kidding there. It happens all the time. And, and the words that come out of your mouth in that moment, there's sometimes where you just kind of want to bring them back in. Say, come along. And, uh, you know, I'm sure you look at your spouse and say, oh, sweet darling, let's get to where we need to be. Right. We are not our best selves when we are in a hurry. I see the spouses are all smiling at one another. That maybe this resonates with each of us. And today's message is not so much on time management, but it's a focus on our why. And I think from our why, it bridges out an attitude that will help us to say, how do I eliminate some of the hurry in my life so that I can live at a pace that actually honors God and glorifies Him, transforms me, reduces anxiety, helps me have peace, helps me to have comfort, helps me to be more patient, more kind, filled with more joy. That sounds like a great thing, right? Who would like a little bit more joy in their daily routine? Some of you all really need to be raising your hands on that because you're a little too grumpy from all your hurriedness. Fingers are all pointed at me this morning. But as I think about that and think about what others have done and others said, Corey Tenboom, a wonderful saint of Christ, says, if the devil can't make you sin, he'll make you busy. The devil can't make you sin, he'll make you busy. Michael Zigarelli, this comes from uh, a study, Charleston South University School of Business. They conducted an obstacles for growth survey over 20,000 Christians across the globe. And they identified busyness as a major distraction from the spiritual life. Here's their hypo hypothesis. It may be the case that Christians, one, Christians are assimilating to a culture of busyness, hurry, and overload. Which leads to God becoming more marginalized in Christian lives. Which leads to, three, a deteriorating relationship with God. Which, four, leads to become, Christians becoming even more vulnerable and adopting secular assumptions about how to live, which leads to more conformity to a culture of busyness, hurry, and overload. And then the cycle begins. And so the more hurried we get equals less relationship with God, which means we look more like the culture, which means we get busier, which means that we just keep spiraling and spiraling until there is no room for God in our life. 
Does that resonate with you? I want to share a word of encouragement to you. Uh, it comes from Walter Adam. He was the spiritual director for C.S. Lewis, so I think he might have something to say. He says, to walk with Jesus is to walk slow, with a slow, unhurried pace. Hurry is the death of prayer and only impedes and spoils our work. It never advances it. We think we can do so much without God. And that's our ultimate failure. And so when we think about priority, when we think about setting our why first, who is our WHY? Well, it's got to be Christ. And let our lives flow out of a relationship with him. There's a conversation that happens in Luke chapter 10. It starts in verse 38, and it's a familiar story to us, and you can anticipate where it, most of this sermon is already going, but I got a left hook for you, hopefully, that you aren't expecting. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. Before we throw Martha under the bus, she welcomed Jesus into her home. She welcomed him. She wanted him there. Martha was doing a very, very, very good thing. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and you are upset about many things. But few things are needed or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better and it will not be taken away from her. I think every one of us in this room can identify with Martha. We have many things that we need to prepare for, many things that are in front of us, many good things. What Martha was doing was not bad. Jesus says it. Like, you're doing a great thing, Martha, and we all appreciate it. You are trying to make sure that when everybody gets here, they'll have all that they need. It was first century custom that women would be ones that would oversee and caretake and be the hospitable ones that would allow for the men to sit at the feet of the rabbi and that they would have what they need so that they could learn and provide a space for that to happen. And that's what Martha's doing. Martha is doing a very good thing. She has invited Jesus into her home. And so she is saying, hey, guess what? I am doing this for Jesus, and I want him to be a part of this, and I want for all of these things to go right. And things are maybe not going as well as she had hoped. She thought she had her sister to help her, and she doesn't. And so her, her to-do list and Mary's to-do list became all of Martha's list. And so just like all of us, when we have somebody bail on us, and it's like, oh, this is all on me, she's looking at Jesus and saying, hey, I have all these things to do. I am worried that I don't have enough resources, I don't have enough time, and things are not going to be the way that I need them to be, and you're not going to be able to get done what you need to get done, Jesus. I need her to help me. Will you intercede? Martha's heart is in the completely right place. 
She's saying, I want this to go well. I want it to be right. And I think all of us feel that in our bones. We're, we get it. And here's where Jesus does a mighty shift. And it's something that we can, we can just hear this story at surface level and we miss what's going on. And I think that it's important for us because what is happening is Mary is doing something women were never permitted to do. She is sitting at Jesus' feet, a rabbi, and she's learning from him. And so not only does Jesus commend her of saying Mary has chosen the better thing, he welcomes her. And I want there to be good news for women today that you have a place at the feet of Jesus Christ. That what Mary does in this act is actually the breaking of the glass ceiling, perhaps the strongest of glass ceilings that have ever existed, that Mary can rise to a place at the feet of Jesus. Martha is looking at life from the way of cultural expectations. And I think that that is something that we all resonate with, that says, this is my place, this is the expectation on me, this is my obligation of the things that I have to fulfill to be a good person, to fit in, to get things done, to feel like I am a part of what needs to happen in this world. Yet there is this breaking down of this cultural expectation of this is your place, this is your role, and our place, all of ours, male and female, is at the feet of Jesus learning from him. Jesus commends her for choosing this place. And Martha, she can't quite rationalize what is transpiring, but here it is for her right now in her sister to be at the feet of Christ listening to Jesus. And Jesus not only celebrates and welcomes her, he commends her and says, she's chosen the better place. She has a place at the feet of Jesus. Martha does too. And I want you to hear today that you have a place at the feet of Jesus to hear from. You have a place to learn and grow and be encouraged. You have a place and a right to hear from God and belong to him. And so as Jesus sort of tears down the sort of cultural expectations of things, I think that that becomes the powerful word to us today to remind us that we can not just read this from the text of, well, here's a person who was doing the busy things and pre preparations, and here's a person who chose to sit at the feet of Jesus and get your priorities right. This is saying Jesus has reoriented our priorities through the kingdom of God, that every single person has a place at the foot of Jesus Christ. And because of that, we reorient our priorities. This is not a lecture about what Martha was doing wrong, but what Mary was privileged to do. And that privilege is yours too in Jesus Christ, that you have a place at the foot of Jesus to learn and grow in him. Did I turn off? Am I still going through there? Okay. Um, and so as I think about this text, as I think about what this means to us in this moment, is to say, how then do I change the priorities of my life? How do I center my heart? See, I still say priorities, even though it's a made-up word after 1940. How do I set my heart on Jesus Christ and fix my life on him? And I think that Psalm 46 gives us the word that we need, and I read it at the beginning of our service together, because I want us to pay 
particular attention to what's going on in the text. And that is, is that nations are rising up against one another, but there is a call for peace in Zion, a peace in the city of God. And there's a river flowing within it that provides peace and joy and that God is in control and he melts swords and he tears down the bow, uh, the bow and war is over and God rises to give peace. And in the world of frantic frenzy, when we feel so overwhelmed, who's felt overwhelmed by the news lately? Who's felt overwhelmed by all of the things going on all around us all the time? And the sort of hecticness of our life and the busy hurriedness, this psalm sort of speaks truth to say, who's the one in control? And the message is simply this. Be still. Be still and know that I am God. And that sort of juxtaposition means that if I am still and I know that the Lord God Almighty is God, then guess who isn't? Me. Guess who has control when God is Lord and guess who doesn't? Guess who uh, gets to manage the calendar and it's not up to me? I thought I was going to teach Sunday school today. Instead, you know, I preached over there and 20 people were saved. You should have seen it. Uh, <laughs> that's what I told Kenneth when I came out and I said, well, all done. There was 20, 20 people saved today and, and just had to, you know, jab them a little bit. You know, you can't be a totally nice person, right? And so as I... As I think about our lives, as we think about where do we go from here, yeah, you know, everybody agrees with me that Jesus Christ is Lord today. And you're like, yeah, Jordan, I love that you're telling me that I don't have to live a hurried, busy, frantic life, that I can have peace in God. I love that message. And then Monday comes. And you're saying, I got a lot of things to do at work, I have a lot of preparations to take care of my kids. I have an awful lot to do. And just my mentioning of that sort of starts that anxiety, that sort of adrenaline rush of saying, there's a lot to be done, a lot to say, a lot to do, a lot to prepare, a lot to get ready, a lot to go get, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot. Be still. Be still. Who is God? And so I'd like to throw a little New Testament flavor to this. Be still and know that Jesus Christ is Lord. Be still and remind yourselves about who Jesus is and what he's done. He's the firstborn over creation. He was with God in the beginning. He's the one who holds all things together. He's the one who endures. Remind yourselves of the type of love that Jesus is Jesus is patient. Jesus is kind. Jesus is generous. Jesus is, is forgiving. Jesus keeps no records of wrongs. Jesus is love. God is love. And he tells us over and over again that we are loved and we are embraced and we are forgiven through the blood of Christ. Be still and know that Jesus Christ is Lord. That he's the one in control. Maybe maybe we need some encouragement that way. And so I just wrote some very practical things in our notes today. How do we be still? Well, I have found that I have a little distraction that I take around in my pocket everywhere I go. 
turn off my phone. I need my wife to remind me of this. I'm going to say it out loud. Wendy, help me turn off my phone. Make a commitment to resting a certain amount of times in a week, month, or year. You know, after the parade, I embraced resting. I said, okay, if I'm going to be old, I'm going to take a nap. Afternoon hit. It's time to close my eyes. Time to shut down for a bit. Rest. Rest and don't feel bad about it. If someone is slow, we use that as an insult. But in the upside-down kingdom of God, it's the pace of Jesus. We are not in a hurry. God is patient. He's waiting for all to come and be saved, to turn their hearts to him. God is patient, and we are calling to that same patience. Hold ourselves accountable to this. Tell a Christian friend of your intentions to be a little slower, to be a little more patient, to be a little more kind, to be a little more still. Get a journal to track what you're thinking and feeling. It helps me to write down. Sometimes I sit down and pray and uh, I wander off. I can, you know, it's like, I know that that surprises you. I know that's a startling, like, revelation, but... Uh, I'll sit to pray, and I'll be praying about somebody, and then next thing you know, you got squirrel moments. You know, it's like, and uh, it's like, well, how did I get so distracted? Or I think about all the things that I need to do, and so what I like to do is I just write down the things that come to mind. And sometimes I have found that those what feel like distractions are things that God has sort of put on my mind to do that day that need to get cared for. There's usually a reason why they come to mind. To really rest is to Sabbath. Sabbath is the resistance against a culture that says you can't stop. Sabbath is a way of pausing and saying, you know, today our family's not going to go a hundred different directions. We're just going to fight with each other in here. Right? That's how it feels sometimes. But it's praying, praying for peace in our homes and caring for one another. It's getting things, the heavy stuff done the day before so that you can rest and enjoy that you don't necessarily feel like you have to mow the yard you don't feel like you have to get a hundred things done that you can just rest and be in the moment it's hard for me not to fill that time with nonsense really truly fill it with rest being still knowing that Jesus is Lord accept that rest is alright and it's a good thing to do if we don't upset the trend, who will? We're liable to continue to deteriorate as a society if we continue to think that we can go, go, go and not have moral, physical, emotional, and spiritual consequences. So let's be a beacon of light, showing people that there is a way to be still, a way to trust that the world will keep spinning, the world will keep going because Jesus is Lord and I am not. Be still and know that Jesus is Lord. Let's pray. God, we love you. Thank you for loving us. And in the hurried, frantic mess of our lives, we pray that you would intercede this week. Lord, may 
our heart's desire be you. May it be to seek you and seek your face and your presence, to seek a life with you, to trust you. God, we get the, our priority uh, all out of whack. We feel hurried and in a mess and a rush. And from that, God, we have not seen the fruit of a life with you. And so we know, Lord, that if we want to bear fruit, that we need you. If we want to shine brightly for you, that we need to spend time with you. And so we ask that you would bless this week, that you would give us these moments where we could just be still. Maybe it's sitting at a red light. Maybe it's just sitting in our office chair. Maybe it's just before we walk in to be with our family. May there be moments spread throughout our week, throughout our day, where we can be still and be reminded of your presence, reminded of your forgiveness, reminded of your love, reminded of your creation, reminded of the joy that we have in you. God, help us to be a little slower this week. To slow down and be with you. Thank you for loving us and welcoming us into your home that we can sit at your feet and listen to you. We love you and praise you. It's